Amen. How many have been blessed so far? If you've been blessed, let me hear you say amen. 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 I've been blessed so far also. This morning, I invite you to turn to our opening text in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. In your Bibles, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. The name of the sermon this morning is entitled, A Rest from Our Works. A Rest from Our Works. Works. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. We'll be looking at this morning a study about the Sabbath. Now, why do we keep the Sabbath? Why do you keep the Sabbath? Thought, give me some thoughts. Why do you keep the Sabbath? Interaction here, huh? Why do you keep the Sabbath? Anybody? There are over 56 scriptures in the Word of God encouraging us to keep the Sabbath. Okay. Encouraging us to keep the Sabbath because the scriptures say so. Amen. Anybody else? Time refreshing, spending interrupted time. Anyone else? To honor God. Okay. Good. Anyone else? One of the Ten Commandments. Okay. Good. To attain a blessing. Okay, very good. Good answers. And all I wish I believe. But today we're going to go on a journey. And we're going to go in a different direction of a biblical model. Way, the main person, what I believe that God wants us to keep the Sabbath. Going along also with our series. Um, to go along with what you're saying. But maybe a little bit direction. And maybe what we maybe not heard so much. And I've not even said so much also about the Sabbath. So this morning as we learns what it means to rest on a Sabbath day. May we truly see the rest that God would have for us. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to see. May we be humble at your feet to learn from you. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we to glory in? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise men glory in his, what? Wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his, what, church? Might. Let not the rich man glory in his, what? Riches or money. In other words, don't let the wise, if you're wise, don't glory in what you know. Don't glory in your knowledge. Don't glory in your strength. Don't glory in the money that you have and all the things that you possess, Right? Don't glory in all these things. But if you're to glory in anything, the Bible says, but let him that glory, glory in this. What do we glory in if we're to glory about or talk about things or boast about things? The Bible says that he understands and what? Knows me. Do you see that? In other words, don't glory in all the money you got and a nice car and talk about how your new iPod does this and your new iPhone, which is good, but you glory with all these things that you do, right? And all the things that you have. Don't glory in all the things that you have and the technology and what it can do, but glory in this. Glory that, most of all, above all things, glory that you know God. Amen? Is that a thing to glory in of most of anything else? Glory that you know God, that you understand 
and that you do know God. Now, why is this important that we know God? Look at your handout here, rest from our works handout, the blue paper that I handed out to you. We know that in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, the Bible says, this is for easy reference, so we have to turn there, because this is kind of a review of what we've been studying. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. In other words, everyone who, everyone, it says that love is born of God and knows God. So everyone that loves knows God. In other words, you love God because you know who He really is, which is love. And you know Him because you know Him, you will love Him. Look at the next quote. It says, Only by love is love awakened. To know God is to, what? Love Him. In other words, when you know, the Bible says God is love. When you know love, you will love love. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says if you know God, you will love Him. There's something about His character. Not now, not a false picture of God, but if you know the true picture of God, who He really is, that God is love, you will love God. You will fall in love with God, right? Amen? So, to know God is to love God. So, we need to love God, but before we can love God, we must, before that, we must what? Know God. That makes sense, right? You can't really love a person you never met at all, right? You love someone who you know. And the more you love that person in a relationship, you love your wife, you love this girl, you just met her, the more you get to know this person, you know how she is, how unselfish and kind she is to you, you start to love them because with the knowing comes the loving, right? Same thing with God. The more you know God, the more you love God. If it's a true picture of God. If it's a false picture of God, can you end up hating God? Is that possible? Yes, it is. Because not what God says is because people put a false picture of who God is, right? So, you know God, and then you love God. And look at the next quote from John 14, 15 in your handout here. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Now, I want you to notice, the Bible says, if. If means what? Conditional. In other words, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, God is saying, if you do not love me, I like that. Don't bother. Are you following me? Because God only accepts willing service. Are you following me? He wants you to worship from the heart, right? From the inside. He doesn't want you to go to the form of obedience and service. He wants you to, to, to be obedient to Him from the heart, from the inside. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to give, you to give Him loving obedience. Isn't that what you want with your child? Right? Is that what you want? Isn't that what you want with your wife or your husband or your girlfriend or your boyfriend? You know, you solve all marital problems if husband and wife, would, that relationship would be so beautiful in the home that the husband and the wife would serve one another from a willing, loving obedience because they love the husband and wife. Amen? When you, solve, you would solve every single problem in every single home if there was a loving obedience, the husband loved to serve the wife. The wife loved to serve the husband. And the same way, God wants a willing servant's service from the heart, from your heart. That's what God wants. If you love me. If you do not love me, whatever is not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. If it's not from a willing obedience, God does not want unwilling service, beloved. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Willing obedience here this morning. So, 
you know that if you know God, look at your hand out. I kind of made a diagram for you. If you know God, you will what? Love. So the three steps. This is the first step in your walk with God. You must get to know God first, right? In a relationship with a wife or girl or a boy, right? Or a husband or wife. You get to know that person and you fall in love. So before you fall in love, you must get to know that person, right? This makes sense. We apparently don't apply to a relationship with God, though it is still a relationship, is it not? So you know God. The next step in relationship, you know this love, God is love. You fall in love with Him. You love God, amen? And then because now you love God, you now want to obey and serve Him, right? Amen? And so some of us skip one and two. Is that not true? Some of us on step three, but we have never loved God. We've never known God to even love Him. And we're just being obedient because the Bible said so. Right? Is that true? Because it's the truth. Because Scripture says so to do it. Now, nothing's wrong with that. If, if you love me, right? Keep my commandments. So we're stuck in C3. In fact, a lot of sermons, a lot of churches and sermons and pastors, including myself, preach sermons on obedience to God over and over, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, but they don't talk about the power to give you the power to do what you should and what you shouldn't do. Are you, are you following me? And the power is in love. Amen? The power is in love. And so if all we're doing is telling you how you should live your life and what you should do and how you shouldn't be doing things, and that's all we're saying at, and this relies... Also, this also applies in the home life, right? In your marriage. If all you're just dictating what you should do, and there's no love in the home, or there's no love in that walk with God, we're telling people to do things and put in an extra burden to do things without giving them the power to do what God is asking them to do. And thus they become like the Roman 7 man. Remember that, Roman 7? He said, the things that I want to do, I cannot do, right? And things I don't want to do, I do. Why? Because he never experienced the power of God's love to do what God has asked him to do, beloved. Amen? And many Christians today live the Christian experience today, knowing what they should do and not doing it. Because they never, know, not that they don't know it's not what, what is right or what is wrong, but the problem is that they never experienced the love or the power to give them the victory or to do what God has asked them to do. Does that make sense, beloved? If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. amen. Amen? So we skip one and two. We think that we can obey God. Basically what we're saying is we can obey God and do what he's asked us to do without God's power of love, which is self-righteousness, right? Righteousness by work. We can do what God, that's the old covenant. We can do what God asks us to do. All that God says for us to do, we will do. We. Without God, which is love, God is love, we can do it on our own. But can we accomplish God's word on our own without God? Is that possible? Without love? We cannot accomplish what God asks us to do without the power of God's love. Amen? Now, understanding this picture, to know God is to love God. I know this is review, but now we're getting a big picture. And then you obey God because you love God. So you know God there, you love God, now you're obeying God. That's the whole walk of a Christian walk. And then 
Where does the Sabbath come into this whole big picture? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. We see from the Bible we've shown that it is crucial that we love God to obey God, but it's also crucial that we know God in order to love God, right? What's the purpose of the Sabbath? According to the Bible, not what I say, but what the Bible says. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, And hallowed, make it sacred or holy, my Sabbaths. And there the Sabbath shall be a sign between me and you. God said, the Sabbath is a sign between you and me that you may what? Know that I am the Lord your God. That I am God. That you may know who God is. That you may know God. In other words, the whole purpose of the Sabbath that God gave to his people the primary purpose was that so that you may know God. Amen? Amen? That you may know Him. In other words, as you look at that, the handout, it talks about the, the, the relation, the, the order of how you grow. God wants us to obey Him. Yes, He wants us to be obedient and to have servant hearts. That's what He wants within us, from within. But before that, we must love Him. He wants us to have willing obedience from the heart on the inside. But before we can have willing obedience of love we, of, from the heart, we must get to know Him, right? And the means that God said that I want you to know Him is through the means, according to the Word of God, of the Sabbath. Do you see that? The Sabbath is meant to know God. In other words, it is great that the Bible asks us to keep all ten of God's commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep me holy. But, but if we miss the point, if we're just looking as a checklist of obedience to God at the end, skipping the whole what precedes that, we're missing the point of what God really intended for the Sabbath. Is that not true? If we're just looking at we can prove text to prove this doctrine, and regardless of the Sabbath, whatever doctrine, whatever it may be, if it's just a proof text on this side, just to prove, just because God said so, therefore, with no love involved at all, without knowing God, without even the purpose of the Sabbath to know God, we're missing the point of what the real of the Sabbath is all about, beloved. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? We missed the whole point. God, the Bible says, that you may know me, Know who I am, for to know God is to love Him. And beloved, I want to love Him with all of my heart. How about you? Amen? I want to know my God so that I may love Him. Why? Because I want to serve Him. And every time I seem to forget, the Sabbath comes around to remind me. Now, what does the Sabbath help us to know God, about God? Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 in your Bibles. Let's see what the Bible says. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. How does the Sabbath help us to know about God? The Bible says, For the invisible things of Him, of God, things that are invisible. Now, can you see invisible things with your physical eyes? Can you see it? No. So things you cannot see from the creation of the world 
from things that were created. Things that you cannot see from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So things that you cannot see, you can clearly see. That's what the Bible says. Being understood by the things that are made or created. In other words, things that are, you cannot see out there are clearly seen by God's creation. Even God's eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, can you see God, can you, with your physical eyes, see the Godhead? Can you see God the Father? Can you see Jesus? Can you see God? No. So we cannot see. So the Bible is saying that things that you cannot see, you can clearly see by God's nature, creation out there. What does it mean by that? In other words, you can clearly see who God is, his character, when you look out into nature. Amen? As you look out in nature and you see the ocean and the waves crashing, you see a different aspect of God's character of love. When you look in the mountain, you see another aspect of, another aspect of God's character of love. So all the things that you can see, it helps you to reveal who God is. It helps you to know God. In other words, creation reveals the character of God. Creation helps you to know who God is. Why is that important? Because creation helps us to know God, which is to love God and to obey God. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that the Sabbath is a memorial of God's what? Creation. So every single Sabbath that we come and we worship together, it reminds us of the God that created everything. And this, within this creation that he created, this creation then reminds us of, of our God and helps us to know who God is, then to love God, and then to obey this wonderful God. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen? I want to serve him all of my heart. Amen? Now, look, how are we saved? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're saved by works. Is that what it says? Saved by grace. So in other words, we're saved by God's grace. And because we are saved, and the handout shows that, if, because we are saved, we, it produces good works within you and me here this morning, beloved. Amen? And that's how the salvation works. We're not saved by our works, but then the works is a product of us being saved. Now, when it comes to good works, what is God's part and our part? Turn to Philippians. This is the next book. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Let's look at the salvation of how we're saved. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now look at what it says. First of all, we are to work out our salvation, right? With fear and trembling. For it is God which works where? Outside of you or in you? In you. In other words, we work out what God works inside. Amen? 
We work out what God works inside. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How are we to fear and tremble? We are to fear and tremble that we never trust to ourselves for us to save ourselves, beloved. Amen? But that it is God that works inside of you to, do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, don't try to save yourself. And not only try to save yourself, but don't even try to even change yourself because you cannot humanly change yourself. Only God truly can change you from your heart. Amen? You can outwardly, maybe, you can outwardly actually go to church. Did you know that? But not have experience in the heart. But you know, it's very hard to love someone who is your enemy. That can only be a work of God. Amen? You can outwardly give tithes and offerings to your God, right? Oh, but it takes a lot to forgive your coworker who got you fired. You work out what God works within, inside your heart. Amen? That's where the power is at. And God gives us that power. Look at your quote here on the back page. It's a beautiful quote I thought I'd read to you. It says, looking unto Jesus, we obtain brighter and more distinct views of God. You mean, look to Jesus, see God, know his love, and by beholding we become changed. Goodness, love for fellow men become our natural, what is that word? Instinct. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, is it hard to do something that's your natural instinct? Is that hard? In other words, if we're struggling to do something, the problem is not in the struggling more. The problem is in the surrendering in the step before on the inside of your heart to God. Amen? If you truly love God and behold His love, doing good becomes a natural instinct. It becomes easy. You work out what God is already working within your own heart. You become transformed into the image of a loving God. Amen? Now, Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, as we go back to the Sabbath. What did God do to the Sabbath day that wasn't done on any other day? Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. I'm sorry, verse 3. What the Bible says? Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Genesis 2, verse 3. The Bible says, And God, what is that word? Blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Okay, let's stop. That's all I'm going to read. So God blessed the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is a day that is blessed. Now, God blesses everyone every single day of the week, right? Amen? And not only that, but God blesses the good people, right? And also the bad people during the whole week. Is that not true? Amen? God sends, right, on the just and the unjust, the good and the bad. He sends the sun. So God blesses the good and the bad. Not only that, but any time in the whole week that you feel that you need a special blessing from God, you can go to God and God has a special blessing just for you any time of the week, beloved. Amen? But according to this text, this Bible says that there's a special blessing that's called only the Sabbath blessing that can only be received within the realm of only the Sabbath. Is that not clear? Amen? So there's a special blessing called the Sabbath blessing. Now why did God send his son Jesus to bless us? What's the purpose of blessing? Turn to Acts chapter 3 verse 26. Acts chapter 3 in your Bibles. 
verse 26. See what the Bible has to say. Don't believe a word I have to say, but believe what the Bible has to say, beloved. Amen? Acts chapter 3, verse 26. Notice what the Bible says here. Why did God send Jesus to bless us? The Bible says, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, God sent him to what? Bless you. God sent Jesus to bless you. Why? In what? Turning away every one of you from his what? Iniquities. Another word for iniquities is what? Sin. In other words, God sent Jesus to give you a blessing and with this blessing so that you would what? Turn away from your sins, right? In other words, the purpose God sent his blessings to you and me is for you and me to gain the victory over sin in our love. Amen? God gives us the power to overcome sin within my life and your life. And the blessings give us victory over sin. That's what the purpose of blessings are for. Now, since the Sabbath was created by God for blessing for us, it is true that the reason why God gave it to us a Sabbath blessing was so that we could receive the power to gain victory over sins that we have within our lives, beloved. Amen? There's a Sabbath blessing. And since blessings are meant to give us victory over sin, then the special Sabbath blessing is a special power that God gives to you and me of love to give us the victory over sin in our lives. Do we have sins in our lives? Do we get irritated at our spouse, our husband, our wife, or our children? Then God gives a special blessing to give you the power over the irritation in your life, beloved. You believe that's true? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Do we need the power of God's victory within your life? Do we need the love of God in life to transform and to change us? The Sabbath blessing, and I want you to notice, in other words, the blessing of the Sabbath that is given to us by God is not given to us. We think, okay, this is how we think. Humans think, it's not biblical. Um, there's, there's a blessing, there is some blessing to it, but according to this text that we learned, we think that if we keep the Sabbath, yeah, then God will bless us, right? Or we be obedient, God will bless us. And it's true because there's a natural consequence in that. But this is totally turned around. Rather than a blessing coming after the doing, God gives you the blessing before, beloved. Are you following me? He gives you the blessing first so that you will do the doing after, beloved. Amen? The Sabbath blessing comes first and then God blesses with the victory over sin in our life. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen? What is it that God wants us to do about the Sabbath? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. What does God want us to know about the Sabbath? Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. The Bible says, Moreover also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that, what? Sanctify. Sanctify means to make holy or to transform or to change your life from the inside out. In other words, the Sabbath is a sign that it is God and not we ourselves that can change us, beloved. Amen? Yeah. 
In other words, it reminds us that this same God, the Sabbath reminds us of creation, this same God who created the heavens and the earth, this same God with the same creative power can come inside of your heart and like David said, create within me a new heart, beloved. Amen? The same power that created the heavens and earth. This same God has the same power. He can change your life. He can make you a new person. He can give you a healthy and happy marriage and a happy family, beloved. Amen? That is the same God of the God of creation of the Sabbath. It's the same God that can do that to you and me today. That is a God. And it's the same God that shows you that you cannot earn your salvation. It's a free gift of God. Amen? You cannot work. You were not there. When God created the heavens and the earth, and neither are you there inside of your heart, changing your own heart. It is only God's power and God's power alone that can change your heart, beloved. Amen? And the Sabbath is a reminder of creation. Six days he worked, he created, and the seventh day he rested, the Sabbath. It reminds of all the things that God created. So in the same way, the seven-day Sabbath, when we rest, it reminds us that God is the one that creates. God is the one that creates a new heart. God is the one that changes. God is the one that saves. That God gets all the honor and glory and praise in this world and not man. Amen? That is the God we serve this morning. And the God I serve this morning. And so during the week, when you've been trying to earn your salvation, you want to make it to heaven, therefore your relationship fell into a relationship of do's and don'ts rather than a love relationship. You're trying to earn your salvation. When Sabbath comes around, it should remind us that, no, you cannot save yourself. It was God who created a new earth, heaven and new earth back then a heaven and earth, and the same God can create in you a new heart. As you go through the week, and you go into the same bad patterns and habits, and same hurtful words in your home. The same harmful actions in your relationship with people. The same things you're doing that's hurting your family. And you're trying to make changes on your own and with your own willpower. And you fail and fail and fail. And you finally come to the Sabbath. And the Sabbath reminds you this. On Saturday when you come, you realize and you remember, Wow, I've been trying to do it on my own. That The Sabbath reminds us that it is God who sanctifies us, God who changes us, and not you or yourself, beloved. Amen? Amen? And every week is a reminder that you can't do it. It is me that I will do it. I will work in you. Just work out what I work in, beloved. Amen? Amen. Every single week, the Sabbath reminds us we serve a loving God. Amen? Amen. We serve a merciful God. We serve a long-suffering God. We serve a God who's patient with us. And six days of the week, we're doing it on our own. We're in the driver's seat. We're driving our own life. And the Sabbath comes and God says, no, get out. I'm the driver of the, your car. I'm the one in charge. Let remind, I want to remind you again that the Sabbath is made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. Amen? In other words, the, we were not made, the Bible says, for the Sabbath. God didn't make the Sabbath as a way that, okay, one more law for you to do. One more thing for you to do as a thing that you need to do. That's not what the Sabbath was made for. The Bible says that the Sabbath was made for a blessing for you, beloved. Amen? In other words, it was made for your benefit. It's not a burden. Though we make it a burden, do we not? It is not a thing that we feel frustrated. Another thing we got to do. But the Sabbath was made as a blessing for you and me. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen.
I want to experience the Sabbath blessing of knowing and loving and serving my Creator. How about you? If this is your desire, then would you make a commitment to God? By saying, God, every week that the Sabbath comes around, help me to remember that the purpose of the Sabbath is for me to know you more and to love you. If this is your desire, then will you raise your hand with me this morning? Amen. Our God is a loving God. Amen. And I look forward for the Holy Sabbath day of rest every single week. A rest, not on a physical work, but a rest for me trying to save and change myself, beloved. Amen? That's what I look forward to. And so this morning as we sing our closing hymn, turn with us please to 381, Holy Sabbath Day of Rest. 381 in your hymnals, Holy Sabbath Day of Rest.